All right, welcome back. We kick off the 5 o'clock hour with, well, one of my favorite people in the sports business. He's Rick Heller, the Iowa baseball coach, as Iowa gets ready for their opening game of the Big Ten Tournament, facing off against Michigan tomorrow morning, 9 a.m. Early wake-up call for the boys tomorrow. Coach, how's it going? We're over in Omaha. We we had some meetings this morning and and had a 1 o'clock practice, and Going over scouting report on Michigan and watching some video of uh, their hitters and pitchers uh, this afternoon. And uh, like you said, early wake-up call, get to bed early and uh, take that uh, 7 o'clock BP in the morning and get ready to roll. So this is a little bit different. I mean, you go through the course of a season and, and you know this could happen by the time you know you get here. But with the 9 a.m. game, I mean, what's it going to be? Is it something where after you conclude the series and the bracket was set, you, know, you talk to the guys, hey, let's start to get to bed a little bit earlier, just getting our body clocks changed a little bit. Did you have much conversation about that? Yeah, we talked a little bit about that. We practiced... Uh, we practiced early in the morning uh, on uh, Monday before we took off uh, to come over here. So, I mean, but really, really, you just have to adapt and, 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 and get it figured out. I mean, uh, that's the good thing is that throughout the course of the year, you've had you know morning weights and workouts and stuff. And our guys, um, I feel pretty confident they're going to deal with it well. You know, the only thing, the only thing you don't like, and I think every coach in the tournament is worried about the same thing, is that you come down the stretch and. Your, your pitchers have been operating off of six days rest, and then you knock it back to five uh, the, the week before the conference tournament. Now that same pitcher has to bounce back on short rest um, tomorrow, Wednesday, uh, another day less rest. And then you play the 9 o'clock game, and, and that's even even shorter rest for, for that starter. And I think everybody in this tournament is always concerned about how their, their starter is going to go out there and, and perform, which is going to be... Uh, you know, big and who wins that game. So you get Michigan here in game number one, win or loss, he still uh, will be playing at least one other game. You know that going in. With Michigan, you saw them earlier this season. You take two out of three, one of the hottest teams in the country coming into Dwayne Banks Field uh, when you took that series earlier this year. What do you play into that? What, what do you look at, go back upon things that worked? And got to help, certainly, uh, you'd have to figure with the scouting report, getting ready for a team that you know. And, and that was the, the great thing about our meeting today. It was just a lot of reminders and a lot of focus. And we've had a month of of uh, analysis and video since we played them, and just been, being able to go in there and see um, if the trends, if if the, the tendencies have stayed the same since we played them, and and it just makes it a lot easier on our guys uh, to to be prepared for for both positioning and defense. You know what we're going to see from from Henry, their left-hander, who we saw already, and, and how he's pitching now compared to what he was when we played them. Uh, and then also, you know, the, their hitters for, for, for Nick Allgaier tomorrow. You know, he, he has a really good feel if he can execute his pitches on where the holes are and how to attack these guys. So um, hopefully we'll be, we'll be ready to go. I know we're going to be well-prepared, but I, but I also know they'll be well-prepared for us as well. Got to have a lot of arms ready, and that's another part here. As you get to a conference tournament and, and the configuration in the Big Ten with eight teams qualifying, it's a long run, and it's especially long if you lose a game early on. If you lose one of your first two games, that road back to get to the championship is a long one. You look at deeper into the bullpen. You know, we talk about Nick at the top of your rotation. Cole bouncing back, but but the guys that you have in the bullpen, they're probably going to see a lot of usage coming up throughout this week. How do you prepare them for something like this? Well, 
you know, it, it's not a whole lot different than the, the you know, the three-game series. The guys who, who throw multiple days will still be able to do that. Um, and then having Cole McDonald back really helps us out. Um, now with uh, Brady Samuel in the bullpen, um, we've been kind of shorthanded here for about three weeks, and having Cole come back, you feel a little bit better heading into the tournament. But like you said, you get into the loser's bracket. I mean, you just you just have to find ways uh, as you're fighting back to, to to get your innings and eat your innings up. And uh, hopefully, you know, if you, the guys who win in the, the loser's bracket are the, are, are the guys who have pitchers really step up for you and maybe guys who haven't pitched a lot of innings throughout the course of the season. All of a sudden, that guy gives you six innings on a given day. Hey, a lot like Grant Leonard did for us uh, against uh, Western Illinois on Tuesday. Grant, we used him primarily as a short guy, and then he, uh, you know, he went out there and we were in a in a tough spot and shorthanded on the mound, and he, you know, he gives us six innings that day. So that's usually what it takes, and you hope your guys are prepared and ready to go and uh, ready to, to to take on that challenge if need be. Hey, Rick, I'm real curious about the offense that you guys, sometimes it was very good, sometimes not so good. Look, I know it's baseball, and if you run into a hot pitcher, bad things can happen uh, for your offense. But how do you feel about your hitters now going into the tournament? Well, you know, you're right. It's been kind of up and down, and the one the one consistent has been Tyler Cropley throughout uh, the entire season. I mean, he's been super consistent, super productive, and as fate would have it, Tyler Tyler uh, took a ball. He's our catcher, and he took a ball to the thumb last last week, and he's he's been real sore, and he he toughed it out versus Penn State. We're all hoping that he he'll be back to normal tomorrow because we definitely need need him. That uh, it, it just I think a lot of it. With the inconsistency is just how how good the pitching is now, uh, not just not just in our league, but in general across the board. The high velocity that you see on a daily basis is is pretty crazy compared to just ten years ago, eight years ago. Um, you know, everybody everybody throws very hard, and then you throw in the cold weather uh, that we played in the you know the first three quarters of the season mm-hmm. since since. Since the weather broke, our bats have really improved, and the warm weather has helped that. The only thing that you're going to see here at TD Ameritrade, as you guys know, I mean, it is an absolute uh, graveyard out there, and, and, and it's going to be 90 degrees um, pretty much every day here, and that means the warm wind. I saw predictions, 10 to 20 mile an hour wind. We were we were out there today, and the wind was just blowing straight in uh, because they built that field backwards. Uh, I think you guys probably knew that. They built <laughs> yes, it backwards. Yeah. And, and so the, the the warm wind blows in, the cold wind blows out, and of course, when, when it's 90 degrees, it's not blowing out, and it plays big even when it does blow out. So runs are going to be at a premium. You just really hope, and what we were focusing on with our guys is, you know, we have to be disciplined in the strike zone. We have to take the free bases. We have to do a great job of running the bases. Have to do a great job of, of um, you know, taking our walks short game bunts, that type of thing, to get runners in scoring position because I've played a lot of games over here and taken some very good hitting teams uh, into TD Ameritrade, and, you know, you end up in 2-1, to 3-2. to two. You know, we played Creighton one year and won 11 innings. And their pitcher had a no-hitter, and, and, and it was still tied 0-0. So, <laughs> and, and, and the team I took in there was leading the country in hitting April 15th. And, 
So wow. it, it, it's a different place. Now, since the, they changed the ball a couple of years ago, it is a little more lively, but with the wind blowing the way it is, it's going to be tough to score runs, and I think that, that discipline and taking advantage of free bases is going to be uh, what determines uh, most of the wins over here. Iowa baseball coach Rick Heller joining us. It's Jimmy B and TC on 1700 KBGG. Coach, uh, you mentioned the cold weather, and this spring was it was atrocious, as bad as certainly I can remember in my 38 years in this state. Yep. Is, as you go through, I know you've been a big proponent moving the season back, giving northern schools, you know, trying to at least level the playing field as much as you can. Is there much... Is it, are we gaining steam in that? Is it still something that all the southern schools and west schools are pushing back upon? Are we getting closer to maybe having that College World Series be in June uh, for the spot it's in to, to July? You know, just move it back a little bit more. Any shot? I, I don't know. I, I don't think I don't think we're any closer than the last time we talked about it. And, but this year, as bad as it was, you know, it, it was bad all the way in the south this year. And whenever whenever you have a year like like this year, which was, as you said, it was the worst in my 31 years as well. Um, you know, you get more talk about it, and, and, and hopefully some somebody will push it forward. And maybe our league, I know we're going to discuss it again in our meetings in the fall and, and try to push it forward. But, um, you know, the, the, the guys in the South, um, there's, there are some advocates, uh, even in the SEC, the ACC, and, and the Big 12 for sure. You know, a lot of coaches in the Big 12 would like to see it go to the summer because I think all of them realize the, the, the amount of money they'd be able to make uh, because people would come out and watch the games. And like you look at our look at us, um, when the weather did break, we had three really nice weekends at home, 80-plus degrees um, you know, for the last 10 home games or so, and that was just great. I mean, we were close to sellouts every game. Some games would have to turn people away. And if we did play later, you guys know. I mean, the Hawk fans would come out. We would we would have big crowds, and uh, all of a sudden we would be a sport that was generating income instead of having to spend a lot of money the first four weeks of the season to travel south to play. You know, to me, it's a no-brainer. It doesn't make any sense why we don't. You know, the kids wouldn't miss any class. That would be a huge bonus. Uh, we wouldn't be shipping our players off right after our season to the summer leagues uh, to, to play. They'd be playing for us in the summer. Uh, and, and just I can't think of any negatives, to be real honest with you. So we'll keep pushing. I hope, like, like I said before, I hope I, I have the opportunity to see it in, in, in my career. But, uh, you know, as, as we, we move forward, I still think it's a long ways away. Hey, Rick, I want to go back to when you were talking a little bit about the offense and the weather and how it's going to impact offense just for people who haven't seen your club on the field. Can you manufacture runs? In other words, can you play small ball from time to time with uh, hit and runs, bunts, uh, base stealing? Can, can you guys do that? Yeah, we're not, we're not, not built to, to really uh, right. steal a lot of bags. This team, this team does not have... Um, a lot of speed. It's it's built more for doubles and, and and a couple guys to hit home runs. But we we have been doing a pretty good job when we need to with the short game, situational running, and then then hit and run, run and hit. You know we are capable of doing that. Um, but, but to just flat out steal bags, that's unfortunately it. it <laughs> this is a place where you wish you you wish you were, but but we are not um, you know built that way. 
Finally, Coach, uh, you guys see uh, firmly on the NCAA tournament bubble. I've been looking at all the bracketologies that are out there, and, and you guys all know that there's still work to be done in the Big Ten tournament. Now, the easiest thing to do is just uh, go out and win it. Now, well, maybe easier said than done <laughs> that you're going to be in the NCAA tournament with it. But is there talk? Is that something you talk to the guys about? Is, hey, we still have a lot to play for here, not just winning a Big Ten uh, tournament championship, yeah. but what you have to do to be a tournament team again, getting back to the NCAA regionals. Yeah, no question about it. It's something that we've been, uh, it's been one of the goals since the first day of school. And it's a goal every year in our program and, and something that uh, we've talked about since since I was hired five years ago. Getting to the tournament on an annual basis um, definitely increases your chances uh, of getting to a Super Regional and getting to Omaha the more times you're there. And and this team, I think, has done great a great job this year. I think our schedule... Uh, was was very tough, you know, toughest in the Big Ten just by the randomness of how the computer generated it. You know, we've got 10, 10 wins against top 50 opponents, um, you know, but, but yet the RPI is, you know, kind of low. And, and, it's, and it's frustrating because when you do the schedule, you're, you're usually doing them two to three years out. And if you look at the teams we played early, a lot of those teams are traditionally the very worst, the top 100 team. And then unfortunately for us this year, a lot of those teams had rough years, which dropped them back and has hurt our RPI, but all that stuff uh, is uncontrollable. And um, Now the only thing we can do is try to win some games here at the tournament because I do think I do think that the, the people in the know and, and a lot of the guys on the committee realize that, you know, the RPI, you know, it's something that is, is definitely necessary, but it's not an end-all. End and, and I think especially for schools in the north, um, they 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 just need to look at the teams you play and the body of work that you have more so than the RPI than maybe in the SEC where you see everybody's in the 30s when you know you've got a 10 game under 500 record in your conference. So with that being said, I, I think I think there are a lot of people that that believe this team is is a regional team. I think we just need to do something in this tournament to to solidify that. Start with the win against Michigan tomorrow would be a good start. Hey, Coach, looking forward to it. Always a great time over there in Omaha, and you don't got those uh, home-clad red fans in the stands, so going to be a lot of <laughs> black and gold, it looks like, uh, over in Omaha this week. Yeah, for sure, and they've come out for us before over here, and that's the one unfortunate thing about the 9 o'clock game is that um, you know, it's tough for people to really fill it up and get out of work on a Wednesday, whereas if we played the night game, you know, the, the crowd would probably quadruple, but uh, we just need to take care of business, and then uh, we'll get that 5 o'clock game on Thursday, which uh, would be a lot better. And I know if we can make it to the weekend, the Hawk fans will come out in droves, that's for sure. Well, Coach, let's do this again next week in preparation for the NCAA tournament. What do you say? Man, man, I hope so. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. You bet. That's Rick Heller, the Iowa baseball coach, joining us here. Always great talking with him. And, uh, mm -hmm. and this Iowa baseball team, Jimmy B., Five consecutive years, all five years, he has made the Big Ten tournament. Just to, to show you what that means, in the previous 13 years, they'd made it twice right. to the Big Ten tournament. Wow. I mean, it just, wow. now five consecutive years, that guy, he was incredibly successful at UNI. UNI's program disbands. He goes to Indiana State, incredibly successful there. He knows college baseball. Iowa made a great hire. Some people said it was an easy hire. It should have been done years ago. They got sure. their guy. And credit to Gary Barta for getting a guy that saw the vision of what Iowa baseball can be, and we're seeing the, the fruits of those labors now. 
You know, Trent, I really hope that this is a team that wins. I don't know if they're going to win the tournament and make the dance, but I hope they get a few wins over there just so Hawk fans get a chance uh, to travel to Omaha and support that team. Yeah, and uh, if they win tomorrow morning at 9, they will play at 5 o'clock on Thursday, so a better chance for people to you know, duck yep. out of work early. Of course, all the people uh-huh. over in, in uh, the Omaha area, Council Bluffs, can make their way to that evening game and uh, keep winning from there. If they lose tomorrow against Michigan, they'll be right back in an elimination game on Thursday morning, also at 9 a.m. That's the Big Ten Baseball Tournament. Get started tomorrow with the Hawks and Michigan at 9. With that, we'll take a break. Coming back, we're talking more baseball coming up next. Zach Reimer is going to join us from Bleacher Report. We'll talk with him a little bit about what's going on in the major league scene. We'll do that next here. It's Jimmy B and TC. And welcome back, everybody. We continue all the way till 6 right here on the Big Talker 1700. Zach Reimer, you've heard him on the show before. Major League Baseball from Bleacher Report. He joins us on 1700. Zach, good afternoon to you. And let's just kind of begin right now where you are. We're coming up near the end of May. Where are you on this Major League Baseball season? Give me, give me your surprises, and, and I'm just curious, is there a team that has blown you away so far? Uh, hmm. You know, in terms of surprises, it's kind of 50-50 between the two leagues. I think the American League kind of looks as uh, pretty much as I expected it to look. And the National League is entirely upside down, and I have no idea what's going on from day to day. So there's that's that's I think is the the real difference uh, this season. Uh, we all expected the Dodgers to be great; they're not. We all expected the Cubs to run away with the NL Central; they're not. We all expected the Nationals to win the NL East in a breeze; that's not going to happen. Seems like the Braves, uh, the Phillies, Brewers, Rockies, Diamondbacks. Um, if I had to pick one of those as the biggest surprise, uh, probably the Braves. I did not think they were going to be ready this soon. And not only are they ready, they are legitimately really good uh, to a point where they're uh, a legit World Series contender, which is something that I didn't think was going to happen for another two or three years. So you got to hand it to them. They're a really exciting team. Yeah, the, the Braves so interesting. Two of the youngest team, uh, players in baseball, Ronald Acuna, came up a couple weeks ago, was off to a ridiculously hot start. Now he's cooled off a little bit. Ozzie Albee's also out there. I mean, two incredibly young guys. You talk about being ahead of schedule. Those two guys have been known for a while and have been talked about you know, in the prospect rankings and the like. But, but what else has gone right to make the Braves be in this kind of position? Uh, well, you know, it's they've had a lot of things go right. Uh, I don't think they expected Nick Markakis to be become one of the best hitters in the National League. I don't think they expected Ryan Flaherty to hit like he has. Uh, Ozzie Alves has probably defied even their wildest expectations. Uh, and their pitching has held together, despite the fact that it's kind of a lot of unproven youth there. Um, you know, the interesting thing about the Braves, too, is that they're starting to kind of reap the benefits of this rebuild that they've been carrying on for the last couple of years. And the young talent that they've been kind of mining is not all the way there yet either. We're, they're sitting on uh, a veritable treasure trove of young pitching that could help them this season. We've already seen Mike Soroka do have, come up and have a good, couple of good starts. Uh, and they have a couple more guys they can call on too. Or they can cash in that young pitching on the trade deadline, which, you know, at this point, why wouldn't they be one of the more active teams out there? So. That's what makes the Braves so interesting. They're a legitimately good team with some surprising performances and, you know, potentially room to get better. 
You know, I'm real curious about a couple of things here, and maybe you can help me out. I just kind of thought, and I understand where you're going with the Braves, but I just kind of thought that Houston and the Yankees would be dominant along with Cleveland. All right, Houston and the Yankees are playing the way that I think most people thought they would. What's happened to Cleveland? Are, why are they out of the blocks again so slow? Uh, it's a combination of different factors. Um, right out of the gate, their offense could not hit to save its life. That has kind of come back a little bit now. They're, they're kind of climbing the ranks in the American League in terms of run scored and OPS and all things that matter. So that thing they have figured out, uh, now they just need to solve a bullpen problem that, you know, outside of Cody Allen and Andrew Miller, who aren't having great years by their standards, it's a complete mess. Um, which is something that they're not used to. In the last couple of years, it has not only been that great starting rotation, you hand it off to that great bullpen and they kind of shut it down. They don't have that this year, uh, and their margin for error is that much smaller because of it. Uh, once again, if we want to talk trade deadline, they're absolutely going to be one of the top buyers for relief pitchers, you have to figure. And there's going to be some good ones out there, but it's going to cost them. So they they got some problems, but uh, you know, fortunately for them, the AL Central is not – Really up to the standard, or up to the uh, task of punishing them for it. Yeah, and the the team that's chasing them right now, the Minnesota Twins, the only team that looks like maybe they do have a shot of chasing down Cleveland. They're going through a lot right now. Joe Mauer, he's injured out. <clears throat> After battling concussions as a catcher, that crops up again. You have Miguel Sano still on the DL. Buxton's back, but not himself. Polanco's still suspended. You look around that infield, Castro out for the rest of the season. Four of the five guys that you expect to be a part of it aren't there. This has not worked out well. Lynn's getting the start tonight. He's been a disaster. Still, with all that being said, they haven't buried themselves too deep of a hole, and Cleveland's helped that out. What, what is your expectations for the Twins going forward? Uh, they've been a disappointment, which is it's kind of a shame because I was actually a really big fan of what they did over the offseason. I thought they picked up some kind of underrated guys on good deals. I thought they did well to take up Logan Morrison, to pick up Lance Lynn. You know, they, they had enough there for a wild-card contender. Uh, a lot of what they've done just hasn't worked out. And obviously losing Buxton for injury for an extended period, having Sano on the disabled list, Irvin Santana, missing him has been a big deal too. You know, it's Right now, it's kind of like, okay, this might be a 500 team, mm-hmm. which in past years, you could say, okay, well, if they could at least overachieve a little bit to get to 85 wins or so, they have a legitimate shot at earning a wild card berth. But this year, you know one of those two ALEs, Titans, the Yankees, and the Red Sox, one of them is taking one of the wild cards. So that kind of cuts it down to one wild card spot they're chasing, and you're competing with teams like the Angels, the A's, the Blue Jays, the Rays. There's a lot of competition there, so being just a 500 team or thereabouts uh, might not get it done. So I don't fault them for taking the shot. I like the shot they took, but just sometimes things don't work out, and you have a, you have a challenge ahead of them, and that's basically where the Twins are right now. Well, as you know, in our market, the Cubs are the most popular team. Cardinals, Twins, Royals are uh, after Chicago Cubs. So in that particular division, Cubs aren't in first place. And fans are, you know, doing the old uh, wringing their hands again, going, how come we're not at least five to seven games in front? Uh, Do you have it figured out why the Chicago Cubs are not in first place? Uh, It's, you know, I don't think it has much to do with 
how they're actually performing on an individual level. I mean, they lead the National League in ERA and OPS, and they have the best run differential in the division by far. So some things, in fact, many things are going right for the Cubs, but it's just kind of a weird timing thing that when the offense is clicking, the pitching isn't clicking. When the bullpen is good, the starting pitching isn't good, and so on and so on down the line. That happens sometimes in baseball, but the reality is I was much more concerned with how they were playing in the first half last season. Eventually they got things squared away and were one of the best teams in baseball in the second half. I think this Cubs team is perfectly capable of a similar run, and I still think when it comes down to it, they are the best team in the NL Central. Uh, but it's weird right now, and uh, they're, they just have to kind of find a groove, and they haven't done that so far. You know, there's been a lot of speculation and talk about Manny Machado and him making his way over to the uh, north side with the Cubs. I, I still struggle to, to find a way that a deal makes a whole lot of sense for, from the Baltimore perspective for a talent like Manny Machado. Where do you sit as you look at, at the different teams that are out there, the Cubs being certainly the most prominent one here at the local level? Where do you think he ends up and what's, what kind of haul will it take for a guy that is going to need a contract after this year? Yeah, that's the interesting part because he is a rental and he's going to be a high-priced rental, so you can knock off quite a few teams from his market just based on that. Uh, And then you go around like, okay, which contenders are actually looking for a shortstop? Not many of them because, you know, the Yankees, the Red Sox, the Astros, and so on and so on down the line, they're set. And then you go, okay, which of these contenders does it make sense for to go all in on a guy that they're only guaranteed to have for half a season? What should be a pretty robust market for an excellent player is it could actually be pretty slim. And the Cubs are one of very few teams that makes sense, which is why I can, you can look at the – there's not a whole lot in the Cubs' farm system at this point, but they could potentially work a deal around where they send uh, – you know, it's been talked about that maybe Addison Russell goes as like the centerpiece, and then maybe that's enough to – you know, a couple, couple years and a half of him – might be worth the half a year Machado. If not, maybe you could just put on a couple of throw-in prospects and get a deal done. The question is, is there a team out there with a better farm system that can beat that deal? Maybe the Dodgers, if they decide they're comfortable with going over the luxury tax, but I'm not so sure, given that that's a pretty firm goal of theirs, and also that they're at a point now where it might not make a whole lot of sense for them to go all in on a half year Machado. Maybe the Arizona Diamondbacks, but they're fading pretty fast. Yeah. They want to go yeah, on in them. So uh, the Cubs, you know, I don't necessarily see Machado as somebody they need, but he would make them better, and he would essentially make that offense unstoppable. Uh, and put and he would kind of give them a leg up on other competition in the National League. So. It's justifiable, and I think in this particular market and with this particular player, that's kind of where you have to go. So it's it's a fascinating situation for sure. Uh, this question has nothing to do with the current season, but it does have things to do with past seasons. Do you think that the Cubs and Sammy Sosa will ever patch things up? I don't know. I'm almost afraid to touch that with like a ten foot pole. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, I, you know I, I don't know. I, I honestly don't know. I, I I'm not real because I'm not a Cubs fan. I'm not a Cubs beat writer or anything like that. I'm not really plugged right. into the scene there. I don't really know uh, how the two how the fans feel about it. So I don't know. Uh, it's 
it's a complicated scenario, and I just I don't want to stick my neck in there. It is. It's very interesting just uh, the mm-hmm. way that you know, the back and forth has gone, how long that it's been, everything that's played out there. going to be certainly something to keep an eye on. Well, one of the ba- best baseball stories of the year has certainly been Shohei Otani and what he's been able to put together. You know, I, I've asked the question to a couple of different people, and I want to get your perspective on this, Zach. Are we going to see more of this, at least more opportunity? You know, last year in the amateur draft, there were a couple of guys that were talked about as possibility of being two-way guys, and, well, you just you can't do that. With the success that Otani is having, could we see baseball loosen up those restrictions and not telling guys, you just have to be a pitcher, you're just a hitter, letting guys explore both avenues? Well, it's a copycat league, um, and if if ever there was something to copycat, it's a guy who is one of the best pitchers and best hitters in baseball. You might as well go for it. Um, I'm not particularly optimistic that we'll ever see something like Shohei Otani ever again. The fact that, you know, we, we kind of compare him a lot to Babe Ruth and how he's the first guy in like 100 years to be, to excel as a pitcher and a hitter. But the period where Babe Ruth was a really good pitcher and a really good hitter is actually a very small one. He was a pitcher first, and then the transition happened, and he was a hitter from there on out. Shohei Otani has a chance to be a legitimate all-star pitcher and hitter for his entire career. That's, that's never happened before. Um, so I wish teams luck if they want to try to develop their own Shohei Otani, but um, I don't think it can be said enough. What we're seeing is a singular phenomenon that uh, you really can't heap too much praise on what he's doing. It's it's remarkable, uh, mm. for lack of a better word, because there really is no word for it. So I'm just kind of taking it in and just and I'm in awe of it. Are, are they doing the correct thing by after he pitches, they rest him a day or so, and then he's back in the lineup and vice versa? Until he breaks down, it's the correct thing to do because there is no precedent for anything like this. So, like I said, until he breaks down, they're doing it right. Hey, last thing for me, uh, over the weekend, Tampa decided to go with their closer, Sergio Romo, or one of their bullpen arms, to start back-to-back games. This uh, Tampa's done a lot of different things. They were at the forefront of a lot of analytical systems that, that you see now per, per, across baseball. Is this going to be something we're going to see more of, where you go out there, you throw a bullpen arm, then go to a starter, or is this just a Tampa, though they're playing good baseball, they're still in rebuilding mode and they're just playing around a little bit? Uh, It makes sense for them because they're short on starting pitching depth and long on bullpen depth. And what they were doing essentially was they knew they were going to face a right-handed heavy lineup out of the gate in both those games. You might as well start a guy who can give you two good innings who's really good at shutting down right-handed hitters and then turn it over to a guy who's going to eat the innings. Uh, I look at it, it's it's interesting, but I wonder right now if it's more gimmicky than a sign of a trend because this works for Tampa Bay's particular staff. Uh, and if it's something that every team tries to do on a daily basis throughout an entire season – you do wonder if guys are not going to be able to handle it if, where they have to like pitch every other day or you know start and pitch two innings every day, just where these guys are typically just relief pitchers going one inning at a time. I don't know. Um, it's Like I said, it's interesting. Um, it makes sense in the particular context that Tampa Bay tried it. Um, but we'll see. It, I'm, I'm 
I'm hesitant to kind of lean into it as the, as a sign of the next big thing in baseball. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Zach, it's always great, pal, when we get you on the show. Thank you, as always. Uh, enjoy the baseball this week. I will. Thanks for having me. That's Zach Reimer, everybody, right there, SB Nation, Major League Baseball. Trent, you know that we – let's go back quickly to the Sammy Sosa thing real yeah. fast. I just find that so fascinating that he's done now a couple of interviews. I think he was on with a cap man uh, in Chicago a he little was, bit. He was, yeah. And, yeah, yeah. And, uh, but for some reason, uh, they just uh, – you know, there's much must be some major obstacles there, uh, even to invite him back into the uh, in, into the uh, into the Cubs stadium uh, at Wrigley. It's 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 amazing to me. It really is. He's an all timer. You hope that that gets patched up. And yeah, for so yeah. many years they were. That was the only reason throughout a lot of the '90s to go to a Cubs game. Right. And see Sammy yes. run out into right field yeah. with his hand in the air and slug a couple of homers, and then he slug a couple of old styles. And uh, now, yeah, patch up the relationship. Get it working. I, I have always, Sammy, yeah, there were some ugly moments, no doubt, in the steroid era, a big part of that. But patch it up. Make it work. Mark McGuire's back in the game. You can make this work. Yeah, exactly. And even as Bonds, the- is, Bonds is back in the game. Yes, so, yes. you know. Yeah, let's get let's kind of put that to bed a little bit. I, I look, was the steroid air bad? Yes, it was. But everybody was doing it. So, it's uh, pretty much on Major League Baseball for that. And you have to admit that was the summer that brought fans back to Major League mm-hmm. Baseball where Sosa and McGuire. I'm, I'm, I'm right on that, aren't I? Yeah, no, you're exactly right. 1998, it was my senior yeah. year, Jimmy B. I just graduated high oh, school in the oh, summer of home runs. Well, that means, you know, this is the 20-year anniversary. I have my 20th high school reunion coming up this summer, Jim. Wow. I'm getting old. <laughs> 20 years. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. I feel like you. It's been, it's been like eighty for me. Well, that's true. That's true. Well, I'm, I'm tripling your uh, your twenty there easily. You, you got me covered there. Well, Jim, coming up tomorrow here on the program, we're going to be live out at Exile Brewing. Looking forward to our live event. Twenty five cent Ruthies. Now you're a cheap old man. You can handle twenty five cents though for a cold one. Twenty five cent Ruthies in culmination of the 25th anniversary for the Des Moines Menace coming up this season. Going to have a great time out there at Exile Brewing Company tomorrow. Stop on out. Be there from 4 until 6 o'clock. First 250 pours, just 25 cents of Ruthie at Exile. Live show tomorrow from 4 until 6. We'll come back, get the break, put a cap on things, what we're watching for tonight in the world of sports. We'll do it next on Jimmy B and TC. All right, everybody, welcome back. Final segment here on a Tuesday on the Big Talker 1700. All right, Trent, uh, look, we got a decent basketball game last night. Uh, Cleveland had the lead, never really gave it up. Celtics tried to make a run late, couldn't get over the hump. The hockey game was unbelievable, and now you and I, we both love Game 7s, and we're going to get that tomorrow night between Washington and Tampa Bay. This evening in the NBA playoffs, Houston at Golden State. Now, you know me, I'm going to turn it on, but man, oh man, Houston... I don't know how you get blown out by 41 in an NBA playoff game, but they managed to do it. 
I hope that there is a game tonight, Trent. I really do. I, I just hope that this one lives up to the hype. Or are we going to see, in your estimation, Golden State run away and hide again? Jimmy B., you're going to get your wish. For the first time in the conference finals, we're actually going to get a compelling game in the last oh. five minutes. I'm telling okay. you now. I could be dead okay. wrong. I, I just more than anything, I, I don't have yeah. uh, you know I don't have a great trend or anything like that. I'm just hopeful these playoffs have stopped. after a great first round across the board. The conference semifinals, now the conference finals, they've been terrible, just awful, yeah. awful, awful. Yeah. I want to see something compelling. Chris Paul, step up, play well. All right, you get to the conference finals. That doesn't mm-hmm. mean you get to quit. I know this is the longest you've ever gone in your career, but come on, show up tonight. Give us something. The Warriors annoy me. The Rockets annoy me. They both kind of do in a way, but I want to see a good basketball game, Jimmy B. Or I'm just going to say the hell with it, and I'm just watching baseball. That that's where I am with you. <laughs> show me something tonight. Eight o'clock yeah. TNT. Give me something, Jimmy B. I'm I'm with you on that. I want to see I want to see something that's going to make me lock in and and stay with the game. Look, last night's game with LeBron again scoring 44. Uh, he's amazing, absolutely amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that was that was compelling enough for me. With Kevin Love in foul trouble, he didn't get a lot of help until Kyle Korver. And you know it's funny, Trent. I know he's from Pella, and I know he didn't play at Iowa or Iowa State. And the dude is 37 years old. I just think I just think sports fans in the state of Iowa should like be drooling all over this guy just because he's an Iowa guy. He's 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 from the state in a little hick town called Pella, Iowa. People will say, "You mean Pella Windows?" No, Pella, Iowa. Uh, it, it's an amazing story. And the guy is still getting it done. So for me, that was compelling last night as well. Dial in on Cleveland and Chicago. I'm going to dial in on that a little bit tonight, too, in baseball. I'm right there with you, Jimmy B. A lot of good baseball tonight at Cleveland against the Cubs. Now it'll be blacked out on ESPN more than likely. So going to have to go search in digital, find it something over there, which is always frustrating. Get out the rabbit ears and hope for the best. Not going to be able to see it on ESPN. Always so ridiculous. I'll be watching my twins tonight. Lance Lynn, he takes a bump again, bringing that Awful 7.47 ERA to the mound tonight against Detroit. Trying to hang with uh, Cleveland as the Twins sit a game back and uh, tied in the loss column in the American League Central. Uh, what else is going on baseball-wise tonight? Anything else kind of trip the trigger? Saw the Rays called up one of their top prospects today. They got the Red Sox. Eh, probably not. Diamondbacks, Brewers, that's not bad. Chassin's been nice for Milwaukee to this point. I'll, uh, I'll probably... Tap into that one just a little bit. 640 start in that one. Let's see uh, what else we got. We got Royals Cardinals. Of course, the Royals, just a hideous start here, but worth a cursory glance. But more than anything, I just want to see a good basketball game tonight. With that, we are out of time for today. Again, catch us tomorrow out at Exile Brewing Company. Stop on by. We'll be broadcasting live from 4 until 6 o'clock. And 25 cent Ruthies. First 250 pours, 25 cents at Exile. Stop by, 
say hello. Yeah, maybe we'll even throw a headset on you, throw a mic in front of you, and we'll talk whatever's right around your brain. We'll have some fun tomorrow with the Des Moines Menace as they get ready for the start of their 25th season, 25th anniversary of the Des Moines Menace and our live event out at Exile Brewing Company. Thanks to everybody out there for listening in once again. We'll be back tomorrow starting at noon, myself and Ken Miller from noon until 2, and then Jimmy B and TC from 4 until 6 on your drive home, live from Exile. Enjoy your night, everybody.